pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you on this Sunday morning, we ask that the hymns that we sing would be acceptable in worship to Thee. And Lord, we're thankful that the salvation You give us is eternal, that it's a work of God and not of man. We thank You, Lord, that You are our Savior, our Lord, our King, everything that we need, our High Priest. You are all in all to us. And Lord, we ask that in the singing, the special music, the preaching, the invitation, the offering, each part of this service, Lord, that we would keep in mind that we're here to worship you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The rest of us, let's take our Bibles and turn to John 8 and verse 36. This is a verse often uh, alluded to around the 4th of July and, uh, and different times as such, but uh, I just felt like preaching this morning on faith's freedom or the freedom that faith brings. In John 8.36, Jesus is going back and forth with the scribes and the Pharisees and who, who honestly were some of the most bound up and and obligated people on the face of the earth. They had all their little rules and all their little regulations. And and as far as that was concerned, they were probably the most religious of the Jewish people. Uh, we often reserve our strongest criticisms for them. But, but I would challenge you that if we were Jewish people alive in Jesus' day, we would be closer to attending a synagogue run by the Pharisees than we would by the Sadducees. Uh, And some of the other uh, groups that were in there, the Sadducees did not believe the Bible was the Word of God. They didn't believe in spirits. They didn't believe in angels. But they controlled the temple. They they were the seed of Aaron. And so uh, it was the Pharisees that believed the Bible and many of Jesus' disciples were... Originally Pharisees. It it was not, uh, if they could let go of their own religiosity, they could believe in Jesus. And in the midst of one of those conversations, we have verse 36, which is our text this morning. If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. If we were to read the rest of the passage, he would tell them you are not free. Because even though you're of Abraham's seed, you're trying to kill me. And the reason they were trying to kill Jesus was because he was attacking their little rules and their little regulations. They felt that it was their job to protect the law of God. And if you'll stop and you think, that's what Eve tried to do in the Garden of Eden now, wasn't it? God said you weren't to eat of the tree. How many of you remember what Eve added to the equation? She said, neither shall ye touch it. Because if you'd never touch it, you'll never eat it. But she did touch it. And because she broke her rule, she felt free to break God's rules. You see, you cannot improve on God's law. You cannot improve on what God has done. God does not need us to protect Him or His Word. He, we need to hide behind His Word. It will protect you. Amen? And as Jesus is speaking here, He said, Listen, if I make you free, if the Son of Man shall make you free, you will be truly free indeed. How many of you remember the freedom that you experienced when you understood that you were finally saved by grace through faith, that you had called upon the name of the Lord, that you had fulfilled the biblical requirements. And let's turn to Romans chapter 5, if you would, and spend a few minutes on there. You'll notice up here behind me are the words, It is finished. And... uh, 
that those are the words of Jesus Christ as he was hanging on the cross. Uh, it never ceases to amaze me how much of religion is based on trying to finish that which Jesus already said was finished. Uh, that is the essence of false religion. That's why 99% of what calls itself Christian religion offers as the carrot at the end of the string, their ultimate goal is a trip to heaven. Uh, in fact, some of you grew up in a church where, well, if you don't do that, if you don't do this, you're, you're not going to make it to heaven. And yet, I've heard people joke, hope I get run over on a car on my way home from confession because then I'll get to go straight to heaven. And, and they think they're being funny. But sin is no joking matter now, is it? And as we look here in Romans chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 15, but not as the offense. Now, this is talking about sin. Verse 12, that sin entered into the world and death passed upon all men for that all have sinned, but not as the offense... So also is the next two words, please, nice and loud. Let's try that again. It says, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. Now, how many of you have expectations to receive something at Christmas? Okay. And nobody's going to get me anything. Uh, well... Uh, I have good news for you. The greatest gift that could ever be given already has your name on it. How many of you have ever received something with strings attached? Oh, you, you, you gave this to me? Well, let's talk about that. Now, there are some gifts with strings attached that uh, we readily accept. Uh, one of those is a wedding ring or an engagement ring. Amen? But uh, the, the idea is when someone gives you a gift, it's your gift. Amen? Remember the story of a guy, he was in an airport. And uh, he's actually a Baptist preacher, kind of, sort of. And uh, some one of them little Hare Krishna guys came up and gave him a book. And he looked at him and he says, is this mine? He says, yes, sir, that's yours to read and learn about our religion. He said, but this is really mine. I can do whatever I want with it. And he said, yes. And he just goes, Phish. he said, that's what I want to do with it. And the guy attacked him. Bad mistake. Because this guy used to be a professional wrestler. <laughs> Wrong thing to do. But let me tell you, when somebody gives you a gift, it's yours, is it not? I think of that really... Dumb Christmas song. I gave you my heart last Christmas and the next day you gave it away. Has anybody heard it? They play that. Oh, it's Silent Night. And then they play that song. And I'm sitting there going, no! Nah! What would be more foolish than to give something so precious to someone who doesn't care about it? And yet, I want you to understand something. The free gift of salvation is there for every person that has ever lived. Because that is the love of God. I mean, we, we do not sit down and plan the songs and, uh, uh, and the sermon. Oops. We got a loose, loose wire here. I have to fix that later. 
we do not sit here and write out the songs and the special music to fit the sermon. We, we just trusted that the Holy Spirit would do that. But how, how better could we, we, we sang Love Lifted Me and all of this, and we're talking about the freedom of salvation you know, everything's under his control. I mean, uh, you just you just can't you can't do those things by accident or on purpose as well as you can when you just let the Holy Spirit do his work and take different parts and put things together. You see, salvation is a free gift. The offense is bondage. When I sin, I lock myself into God's judgment. God must judge my sin. That's the difference between the God of the Bible and the God of this world. The God of this world would like you to believe that God is an old fuddy-duddy sitting in a rocking chair. And when you do something wrong, oh, that was bad. You shouldn't have done that. As long as you're sorry for it, we'll take care of that. Let me tell you, it doesn't work for parenting. It doesn't work for God. He sent Jesus to pay the price for every sin. That's why this verse says, But not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one many be dead, much more. The grace of God and the gift by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ, hath abounded unto many. Salvation is something that only God can do. You cannot save yourself. And yet, every time we have some great truth in the Bible, there's somebody there to try to muddy the water. Somebody there to try, well, God only gives that gift to those who are the elect. Well, have you ever thought about this, Smarty Pants? That everybody that receives the gift is part of the elect. Amen. Uh, I mean, it's just simply a truth that God already knew who would be saved and who wouldn't be saved. Is it such a big thing that he might help you along the way that he knows that your heart will choose? We don't have to accept the lawyerly reasoning of John Calvin to understand the Scriptures. What we do need to understand is that salvation is a free gift. Look at that next verse. And not as it were by one that sins, so is the gift. For the judgment was by one to condemnation, but the free gift is of many offenses unto justification. Do you see what Paul was saying here to the Romans? He said it's the exact opposite. Sin, one man sinned, Adam. And everyone born after Adam was born in Adam's likeness with that sin nature. One sin led the entire human race. And by the way, should we have anyone saying, well, if Adam hadn't sinned, I want you to understand that each one of you in this room, unless you're a little baby, has already confirmed Adam's choice and that you have chosen sin in your life. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That was Romans chapter 3. But here again, in the very next verse, we have this free gift. God understood that there would be many sins and He gave us one gift that would take care of all sin forever. Do you get that? It's a free gift. It's God's work. You only need to receive one gift to take care of all your sin. You only need to be saved one time because it's good forever. And then we go on. For if by verse 17, for if by one man's offense death reigned by one, much more. They which receive abundantly of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one, Jesus Christ. 
Therefore, as by the offense of one, judgment came upon all men to condemnation, even so by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. You see, three times in four verses, Paul is using this term. Free gift. How many of you remember that day that you received the free gift of God's salvation? Tell you what, this Thanksgiving week. Now, we're going to have our Thanksgiving service on Tuesday night so that you can spend Thursday with your family and, and friends and, and things like that. We, we want you to be able to do that. But I want to challenge you, don't ever get over being thankful for the day you got saved. It's a free gift. The work is all of God and none of you. You see, how do you receive that gift? The free gift that is there is there by God's grace for you to take it off the shelf and make it yours is faith. You have to receive that gift. You see, God, in His great love, in His great wisdom, in His great holiness, will not like many of the Protestants say, save everybody. Because why would God give His forgiveness to someone who doesn't want it? He doesn't. Even American law reflects this thought. You can be granted a pardon, but if you refuse to receive the pardon, you will still serve the sentence that you're convicted of. Even though you don't have to. You've received forgiveness. You've received a pardon. You must accept it. And I do believe that there are some cases where the perpetrator of the crime refused to receive that pardon and had to serve the sentence regardless of what it was. Because in order to be pardoned, you must accept it. And what I want you to understand is this morning, when Jesus said, If the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. He's talking about salvation. He's talking about that free gift that He would purchase with His blood. And I ask this question often because it doesn't hurt us to remember some things sometimes. How many of you remember the struggle that was in your soul when you thought about eternity before you were saved? Before you had received that free gift, you were trying to be good enough to earn it. You were trying to pray. You were trying to do whatever it took to go to heaven if, if you're concerned about those things at all. And then you remember the freedom... When you finally understood that all I have to do is let Jesus save me. Can we say amen to that? You see, you've been set free by receiving that free gift from God that takes care of everything. That solves your sin problem. You see, let's take our Bibles and just turn over a chapter here. We're in Romans chapter 5. Let's go to Romans chapter 6, if we would, and down to verse 18. Being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. How many of you have had this happen in your life? You could just see this set of circumstances working in your life, not for good, 
but for bad. And you just knew. It's like a car wreck. You know what's going to happen. Everything just starts moving in slow motion. And you know you're going to hit that car. How many of you have had that happen in your life? Nobody will admit it. I see one hand. Okay, there's some others. We've had that happen, haven't we? You know why? Because when you're the servant of unrighteousness, you cannot stop the results. You can't do it. But once you've received the gift, the free gift of salvation, you're set free from your service to sin so that you can be a servant of righteousness. Every once in a while, God will allow you, He'll just peel back the the veil of our confusion in which we live in most of the time and let us see sometimes. Hey, you know what? I could lose my temper here and give place to the devil and destroy this, but I'm going to give this to Jesus and I'm going to see Him get the victory in my life. I mean, that can happen in a split second. This is what Jesus means when He means free indeed. He set us free from sin. We don't have to behave like the world behaves. We can be free from that pattern of sin and be the servants of righteousness. Let's read on. I speak, verse 19, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants, to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even now yield your members, servants, to righteousness unto holiness. For when ye were the servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death, but now being made free from sin and become the servants of God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end, everlasting life. You see, God has to free me from the service of sin so I can serve righteousness. I want you to understand there are no other options out there. You are either serving righteousness or you're serving sin. I'm not going to do either. You've made your choice and it's not for righteousness. Well, what I'm doing isn't that wrong. Well, have you asked God about that? You see, we can do things that look good and look right, and we can choose paths that that appear absolutely fine. But it doesn't take long before that path begins to veer off just a few degrees. And before we know it, we're so far afield from the place where we ought to be that it's only the grace of God that can bring us back. This is what Jesus is talking about. He is talking about giving us freedom not only to serve, but freedom from having to figure everything out on our own. I'll tell you, we, try, we have to make choices each and every day. But if you'll let this Bible make those choices, you can be set free from your own mind. Uh, we all have this tendency. Everything's got to pass the me test. Wait a minute. Wouldn't it be wonderful to be set free from the me test? How many times have you been wrong? Am I talking only to myself this morning? I hope not. But we've been wrong so many times. The Bible says we don't even know how we ought to pray as we ought to pray. 
We, we cannot know these things, but if we'll receive that free gift of salvation, that free gift will set us free from sin so that we can serve God His way. We don't have to. I've often tried to explain this, and and the Lord's never let me put it in a whole sermon because I I think it'd be so depressing we'd all quit and leave before the end of the sermon. But it's this, the most selfish person in the world, the most wicked person out there is the person who is using other people's problems to make themselves to do good works to please God. How can you get more wicked than that, my friend? You want to be set free from that? You receive the free gift of salvation and you allow God to set you free from that pattern of sin that brings forth death. And no longer are my life decisions mine. They belong to Jesus. That's why it says when you get saved, if thou shalt confess with thy mouth, what is the next three words? The Lord Jesus. That means He's in charge. That means He's the owner. Uh, does that mean that I'll never sin again? Oh, we wish it did, but we know better. The Bible tells us so. We will not be set free completely from this sin nature until we get to heaven. But if you want freedom, you need freedom from serving sin so you can serve righteousness. We need to start asking ourselves the question, is this life choice going to bring forth righteousness? Or is it going to bring forth sin? And our minds are really good at confusing that point and making it difficult for us to see. But the Word of God makes it very, very plain. Let's go on to Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. Romans chapter 8 and verse 2. It says, For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin in death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. You know, that was the Pharisees' problem. They thought you could measure righteousness by a list of things that you did do and the things that you don't do. And maybe some of you even referred to, uh, before you got saved, uh, say, well, I, I can't follow that Bible. It's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. And I, I'm not really good at keeping the rules. And I, I'm going to flunk out every time I know it. Somebody says that to me. I always stretch out a hand and say, welcome to the human race. Amen. That's where we all are. You see, it's a free gift that saves me. That free gift sets me free from sin, from the pattern of sin. Sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth what? Death. We've all been locked in. It just feels like you're strapped in and you can't move. You can't do anything about it. You just know that something bad is going to happen. And you, well, that's the the way sin works. You serve sin, that's where you're going to end up. Do you think any one of those thousands of addicted people that live in our city this morning who wake up and their first thought is for a cigarette or for alcohol or for the drugs that they have induced into their body or, or for the, the vile uh, and, and perverted Desires that they've aroused inside and trained themselves. You know, you don't learn terrible sin overnight. you got to practice. And I praise God I've never had this experience, but I've talked to a lot of people. Their first cigarette was a terrible thing. Second one was a little less terrible. Then it got to the point where you couldn't do without them. 
You see, that's how sin works. But He came to set us free from sin so that we could serve righteousness without ulterior motives, without all of these things that we add in here. And then on top of this, we're free from the law. The law condemns every human being that ever lived to eternal death. For the wages of sin is death. Now, how many of you are glad your boss gives you your paycheck? If you're not, come work for the church. We won't give you one. Amen? No. We believe in paying people just like anybody else. But listen. It would be wrong for God. It would be evil for God not to send you to hell for your sins. But His love allowed Jesus Christ, who is God, to come and pay that price to offer us that free gift. You see, you don't, I hope and pray, you're not coming to church this morning so you can be closer to God and get a little more saved. That's not a Bible thing. That's a man thing. You see, the free gift saves you all. Being set free from sin allows you to come to church for the right reasons. We call this a worship service. Why? Because we want to worship God. And and this is a whole other sermon and we don't have time to deal with it all, but Worshiping God is giving credit to Him for His greatness and His goodness. It, it, the best way I know how to describe it, it is wrestling with who God is. How many of you have ever tried to lift something really heavy? I remember one time I was rebuilding a motor. The block on the motor, just the place where the pistons were, was 2,500 pounds. The, uh, that's over a ton. And, and the head, the part that went on top, weighed about 275 pounds. Praise God, I was young and very foolish, and I carried that thing across the garage instead of putting it on the hoist like I should have. And, and uh, But I'll tell you this. I started moving it off the bench. Yeah, I can do this. And all of a sudden, I felt the weight. And I couldn't drop it. Because I didn't have the several thousand dollars it would take to replace it once you drop one of those things. And so I had it. And I said, okay, here we go. We only got about 20 steps. And I counted it. And and it pressed. And I felt it pushing on my legs and my back and my arms and Just to walk across that little room and I was exhausted, panting. But the engine survived and so did I. But let me ask you a question. When is the last time as you thought about this free gift that God has given you that the weight of that thing begin to press you down and compress you. The thought of how a holy God dealt with every sin that I ever sinned, past, present, and future. I love the way Brother Thompson said, and I'll quote him to the day I die by God's grace. He knew everything about me. And he still loved me. I love that testimony. I want you to get a hold of this. He set me free from the law. Jesus had to endure everything that I would have to endure. You see, the Bible tells us in Galatians 1.5, I just want to quote it for you this morning, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free, And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Do you know that you can take good things and right things that you ought to be doing in your life and you can make them 
A yoke of bondage. Some people do that with church attendance. I've got to go to church. Well, wait a minute. He's made me free so that I can go to church for the right reasons and do the right things. How much work does it take to read this book called the Bible? How many of you have felt the difficulty of that work? Now, wait a minute. You know what? He set me free from being a servant of unrighteousness to be a servant of righteousness. But that doesn't mean it doesn't require some effort on my part, choices on my part. That's why it says, don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Just because you read. Uh, I met a preacher one time. He claimed to read 40 chapters of his Bible every day. Read through the entire Bible once a month. And he said, I've been doing that for the last 10 years. Like it's supposed to prove something. Well, here was the point he was trying to prove. He had just started a bar ministry where he would send people that he had trained, like we do on Saturday morning, you pass out tracks. Well, in his church, you'd show up Friday night, and you'd go down to a local bar. They had them picked out, and they would rent a table for you, and you would sit there, and you would drink Coca-Cola, or whatever other non-alcoholic beverages they offered, and present yourself as a counselor in the bar while it was actively serving alcohol to other patrons. I don't know about you, but there's something blasphemously wrong with that attitude. You see, we have set this building specifically aside for the worship and the learning about God and Jesus Christ and the preaching and teaching of God's Word. Amen? Just as that bar has been specifically set aside and dedicated to the worship of the devil through the imbibing of alcohol and all the other terrible things. And I don't want to bring up bad memories from people who used to go there, but I can dare say that no one would say, yeah, before I was saved, I went to the bar to learn about Jesus. No, you had other reasons to go there. None of them had to do with righteousness. You've been set free. From unrighteousness. You've been set free from sin so that you can serve righteously. Don't be entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Don't allow the things that you're supposed to do to serve Christ become a burden. Otherwise, you're tangling yourself up and you'll never serve Christ. He's come to set you free. Everything we do in this church. You know, we take an offering. And sometimes pastors will talk about this. And when I tell people about the offerings of the Open Door Bible Baptist Church, many other churches, pastors, they can't believe what our people get. Oh, you must have a lot of rich people in our church. Well, look around. Uh, That is not the case. But you know what? When you don't have to buy $10 a pack of cigarettes and $50 a bottle of booze and, and, and all of these other things that the world has to offer, guess what? You might have just a little left over to give to God. Willfully and cheerfully, without twisting of arms. And, and I, I've been in churches where, where the pastor would get up and, man, you, you'd think if you had a dollar in your wallet when you left. That's why I don't carry cash. No. <laughs> um, I mean, by the time he was done with you, you, you would think that everything you had needed to be put in the offering plate. And you just felt guilty if you couldn't. That has never been our work here at Open Door. It's a willful Free. You've been set free from the law to give as God would direct. And you know what? God always asks for more than you would think. 
Because where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. But if you willingly lay up your treasure in heaven, guess what? You see, let's let's just turn to 1 Corinthians 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I want to look at one more verse. For if the Son of Man, if the Son of Man therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. As Paul is, is preaching to the Corinthians here, he comes down to verse 19. He says, For though I be free from all men, yet have I made myself servant unto all that I might gain the more. And here's what Paul's saying. He's saying, I'm not under an obligation to any other human being. I'm free. How many of you know what it is to be under obligation to another human being who wants to control you, who wants to manipulate you? I'll tell you what, it's a terrible, terrible thing. In fact, we have a whole realm of psychology. We call it codependence. It's people who just have to control or be controlled by someone else. See, when I receive that free gift from Jesus and He saves me, He sets me free from the pattern of sin. He sets me free from the penalty of the law. He sets me free from my own mind. And He sets me free from other people. How many of you during these past uh, few days since the election have been impressed upon by another person to share their sorrow and their grief over the outcome of that election? I mean, that, that's happened to probably everybody in this room. And I'm still threatening to put up the, bo- uh, the banner outside. We weren't sad here, but that's not what our church is about. We, we don't want to add to their pain. We wish they'd be set free from that kind of pain. Because those programs and things that they're promoting do not bring life. They do not bring freedom. They only bring more death and more suffering and more slavery. It's an amazing thing about communism. They believe that in order for everybody to be good, they, the communists, need to be in charge of everything. And they will distribute it. And everybody will have what they need. And here's what they find under communism. When you finally, as the communists, get in control of everything, there's absolutely nothing left. You've destroyed it all. We have people that used to live in the Ukraine. Do you know that before communism came to the Ukraine, they fed the world from the wheat farms in the Ukraine? The world. But now, it is our farmers that send grain all over the world to feed the world. And yet, if we could just get the communists out of the way. By the way, they're still in charge. They just change their names. They could still grow enough wheat. And our, our farmers in Kansas make this boast. We could grow enough wheat in Kansas to feed the whole world. And if you've ever been out there and driven through those fields of wheat, you'd believe it. I mean, it's, it's an incredible, incredible sight. Just oceans of gold. And we're paying farmers not to raise crops. You know what? Listen. Paul said, I'm free from all men. I don't have to feel what you feel. I don't have to have despair. I don't have to believe that man-made global warming is going to destroy the universe. Because I know what's going to destroy the universe. The elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and God's going to fold it up like you do an old rag and put it away. And He's going to make a new heaven and a new earth. 
Oh, won't that be a wonderful day. And we'll be there to see it. If you've received that free gift of salvation. Amen? And if you've received that free gift of salvation, you must be set free from your service to sin so that you can serve righteousness. That's God's plan. You must be set free from the penalty and the judgment of the law. Otherwise, God would have to condemn you to hell forever. You need to be set free from the greatest tyrant you'll ever meet in your life. And that's yourself. But God will set you free from that. And He'll set you free from all men. So that I don't need to worry and be controlled and be influenced. You see... Some people are influenced. Second Peter chapter, First Peter two sixteen as free, not using your liberty for a cloak of maliciousness, but as servants of God. How many people have spent every hour since last Tuesday night planning on how to get even with the wicked Republicans? And I'm talking about some people who claim to know Jesus Christ. I don't know how you could do that, but that's what they claim. I'm not going to argue with them. But I'll tell you what. If the election had gone the other way, I'm not going to waste one second trying to get even. does no good. The only thing you cannot... I mean, even Bill Gates is smart enough to figure this out. What's his one number one rule? First rule, undeniable law of life, life ain't fair. Well, I think he uses the word isn't. Uh, but uh, you can't make it fair. And you know what? Somebody is going to suffer wrong somewhere. And here's what the Bible gives me freedom to do. Is to take that hurt that others inflict in my direction and bring it as an offering to Jesus Christ. And I am totally free of anything that they have done. And that freedom gives me perfect peace to grapple with who God is and what He is and try to live a life that pleases Him. See, that's what salvation does. Salvation is not the end. It's the beginning of your relationship with God. And He wants to make you free from all of those things so that you can enjoy the joy that we talked about, so that you can look forward to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, so that, so that we can live for Him in these last days. One little story and then we're done. Years ago, every little circus that traveled around had an elephant. And you know what? They learned a little trick. They would take that baby elephant when he was just walking and they'd drive a big stake deep in the ground and they tie a strong rope to that elephant's leg. And when they hooked it up to that shackle on his leg, that little baby elephant would pull and turn and do everything he could and he couldn't move that stake. You see, elephants, though they're not intelligent like people are, they don't think, they don't feel like we do, they're not human, but they're not dumb. And that elephant would learn with repeated pulls that he could not move that stake. And when that elephant was a full-grown elephant and could have easily just ripped that stake out with one good kick, he'd never even try. 
because he'd already learned he couldn't move the stake. And you know, that's the way a lot of people live. We've spent our whole life struggling against sin and against our flesh and against ourselves and against other people. And we've learned there's just a lot of things we can't do and we give up. I've come here to preach a sermon that Jesus set you free from all that. You're no longer tied to the pole of this life. And if someone comes and hitches you up, all you got to do is hide behind Jesus and he'll pull the stake out for you. He'll give you the strength to, with one little kick, knock that thing loose because He wants us to be free. And that freedom is to be used to serve Him. And our service from Him protects us from so much that is in the world. Can we say amen to that? The question is, How many of us are still tied to the post? How many are not even saved? You can settle that today. It's so easy. It's as easy as receiving the gift, but as many as received him to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Christian, you've been set free from sin. You've been set free from the dominion of the law. You've been set free from yourself and other human beings. Are you living in that freedom? Or are you still being controlled and pushed around? It's time to enjoy the freedom that Jesus died on the cross to give you. And all God's people said. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. Lord, once again, we ask during this time of invitation that not one of us in this room would withhold from you what is rightfully yours. Whether it be the our soul in salvation, our deeds, that we've entangled ourselves again with the yoke of bondage instead of free service to Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart to see and understand. And Lord, that we would surrender to you and that we'd be able to live this week in a, week, in a heart attitude of worship to the one who has set us free and made us free indeed. It's in Jesus' name we pray this prayer. Amen. Let's stand together as the hymn of invitation is sung. If you need to come, the altar's open. If you're here this morning, you're not sure about your salvation, would you just simply look this way as you come down the aisle and we'll have someone take the Word of God and help you understand what that means. As we sing, would you come?